Hi, I've been drinking rum. <laughs> <laughs> Have you really? Yeah. Is that a yeah. regular thing? Um, what the 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 rum specifically, or the drinking in general? Oh, I'd like to hear both. Uh, yes, I drink every day. Do you? I do. Because as you know, I have the liver of a 12-year-old because I didn't drink until I was 40. And so I don't feel <laughs> I don't feel the need to be abstemious on any level. So when people do the whole, like, dry January or I'm not going to drink during the week, I kind of think, ah, fuck that. I did that between 18 and 40. That's lovely. And how did you drink your rum? Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. Uh, this is strange, isn't it? It is, yeah. We're talking in the evening, not in the uh, not in the morning, yeah. and talking on a weeknight, mm. school night, a school night. Do you think that'll change the tone? It hasn't well, yet. Has it? It's weird talking after a day of work. Mm. So I was actually Lil and I were just um, laughing about that saying. You know, a change is as good as a holiday. <laughs> Which was all very That's a lie. It's all very good and well until you've had a year of a pandemic, right? Yeah. Actually, you know what? You know when I said a change today, like uh I don't know, I wore a pair of trousers instead of tracksuit pants. <laughs> um uh, but no, actually we're thinking, you know, a holiday would be quite a nice thing to do. Not not doesn't have to be fancy. You know, a year ago I was in um, Malta. Oh my gosh. And uh, I was doing a little bit of teaching and then a conference had started. Had a day of a conference and by the end of the day the conference had collapsed because of um this this novel coronavirus. It was such an interesting experience to be in inside something where no one no one person made a decision to stop but how quickly and how fragile the thing was when people realized that we might not be able to get home quickly wow did it uh, like a house of cards it was extraordinary actually i bet you weren't thinking this will be the last time for a year that i effectively leave my home <laughs> i was supposed to uh, i was supposed to go scuba diving of all things in Egypt of all places uh, in um, November I think it was November October and um, it was about July I started thinking no way is that going on <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that the experience of sort of being almost kind and not quite stuck before we knew how it was all going to play out because you, you'd had an experience of being <laughs> sort of in transit, or at least away from home, in another moment, didn't you? I had, I had, I because I just find this fascinating. I was, um, I was uh, on my way back from Melbourne to this to this London, <laughs> as a this London, as not as the to, other one. Yeah, and uh, we got on, got to Singapore, which was the stopover, and uh, something happened. We were just, we weren't let back, we weren't allowed back on the plane, and then. Um, sort of rumours started uh, that we might not be able to get on the back on the plane and 
and I slept in the airport that night. And I think it was the next morning, can't remember, where we, uh, this, that, that volcano, the unpronounceable volcano in um, Iceland. Iceland? Finland. Iceland. Iceland. Iceland for yeah. sure. That must have been 2010. Yeah, 2010. And uh, I spent, did I spend two nights in the airport? sleeping in the airport then we got put in a hotel in singapore for a night maybe and then bust to forget the name of the place that you go across the causeway to malaysia and um and spent i reckon a week to 10 days in a sort of resort hotel it was a very very strange experience so you being in the teeth of it is just like what it's a while there that i had a i had a bad run i was i just left new york when i was in philadelphia when 911 kicked off and and a lot of my friends and family and knew that i was there and they but they weren't sure when i was and then I, yeah. and then there was god they must have been a little beside themselves slightly concerned and then there was also yeah. a um a terrible tsunami in um, southeast asia i was in malaysia was that and, the one on boxing day uh that's correct and i oh i traveled God, yeah. between kl uh, between um a little island in uh in borneo Sarawak is the name of the province, I think, and then to KL. And my 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 mum and my family had no idea where I was, so they were besides beside themselves. I was going to. Uh, I was thinking about something, and because I was thinking about my um, my niece and nephew, and my niece Ruby, she's eighteen, and my nephew Finn is sixteen, and so Ruby is right at the the ed, end of school. So she's doing A-levels, is that what they call them? Yeah, we do indeed. And um, Finn is doing uh, GCSEs. Mm-hmm. Whatever version they're doing of them this year, no one knows. Yeah, I don't think they God. quite yet know. It's listening to them when I've had conversations with them. It sounds as if school, no, I don't mean pandemic school, I just mean generally school is the... The, the sense I get from them is that they... It's like they stumble, if that's the right word, from from exam to exam until the real things happen that's that all that that's all that happens that there's this extraordinary focus on um examinations yeah and i was just going to ask you about about school what was your experience of school like i don't just mean exams and stuff like that like mm. what, what was it like because i just think of grange hill you know that's that's all i've got when i when i think of going to school yeah. in the united kingdom well, of course. I mean, I, I went to a I went to a very expensive private boarding school where they so, taught you Latin. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we. <laughs> I went to a comprehensive in the northwest of England. It was a lot like Grange Hill. Um, is that is that what a comprehensive is? Yeah, a comprehensive it's like, it's like a public is, a state school. Yeah, comprehensive means it's education for everyone. So there, but not a, necessarily comprehensive education for everyone. Well, no, the, the theory is that it's a comprehensive education for everybody um, and that it, it's, it's not based upon attainment so everybody and anybody can go. Yeah. There, in my school, there were streams. So there was the bottom set, there was the middle set, and there was the top set. I, yeah. I, mo- I started high school in the middle set um, because I'd moved into a new catchment area and they didn't have any, because obviously this is before people had computer records. Uh, so I didn't have any, I didn't trail any school <laughs> records with me. It was just like, who are you? 
uh, we'll put you in the middle set and then yeah. we'll make See a decision. See how you, you go. go. Yeah, you can go one way or the other. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the first year, I was moved up into the top stream. Um, mm. Where I well no actually I I often look back and think that was a terrible mistake they should have left me in the middle and I probably would have done much better because I wouldn't have thought oh look I'm clever I don't need to work anymore oh because yeah I remember school um, <laughs> yeah so I, I went to a comprehensive school in Haslingdon um, and I remember but that was for between the ages of eleven and. 15 curiously. oh so you go you shifted you go to a different uh-huh. you went to a different is that normal to go to a different no high school? no not at all you're all supposed right. to finish well bearing in mind that in the uk compulsory education finishes at 16 it doesn't finish at 18 ah uh, so you can just skip out was it like what sort of percentage just went i'm out of here there were three classes in the bottom set three classes in the middle set and three classes in the top set and pretty much if you were in the top set you probably stop Kept on, going and do a levels so i guess roughly a third Wait, roughly a third would leave. No, sorry, a third would stay. Two thirds would leave at sixteen. Two thirds would leave school at the age yeah. of sixteen. Yeah, from from the school that I was in. Yeah. I'm sure that if somebody was listening from Haslington High, I'll be, was I'll be there very... between 1984 and 1989. They could tell me the exact statistics. I wonder but what the I chances would... of someone uh... pretty low. <laughs> I'm I'm pushing for our Kazakhstan Kazakhstanian <laughs> listeners uh, to outnumber those. Yeah, they probably already do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess probably about about a third would stay, two thirds would go. And um, I remember sitting down with my. But wait, you went head- to a different school though after that, right? Uh, yeah, I did because my mum and dad moved uh, in about three months before my GCSEs. It's not because there t- wasn't a problem with the school or anything. Like no, that. their timing was just shocking. Um, they they moved, bearing in mind that my parents left school at fourteen. Yeah, with no with no formal qualifications. Education wasn't that important. No, exactly. They left school in the fifties. My dad got an apprenticeship at fifteen. My mum went to went to work in a biscuit factory at fifteen. That was normal um, for working class kids in the nineteen fifties. Unless you were preternaturally bright and you went to a, a grammar school, the idea of your intelligence getting you out of the social class that you were born into was rare. So upward mobility wasn't really a thing. And what's a what's a grammar school? A grammar school was they still exist, um, but the route of entry into grammar schools is different now. But in my dad's day, and actually I think in my day as well, you would sit something called the eleven plus, oh. which was an effectively an entrance exam to the local grammar school. Right, and if you got above you a certain get, mark you would get in and you would get a better quality of, of education. Because you need better teachers? Yeah, better teachers, smaller class sizes. You know, so it was a selective process. It was a selective school. So grammar school is that bit that goes between comprehensive and private schooling. Oh, I see. I see. I, I see. I see. I think if memory serves, Margaret Thatcher was a grammar school girl. Oh, I think I do remember that. I only think I remember that from The Crown. That's, that's my, Perfectly. That's my <laughs> historical Perfectly take on I I'm actually am a little bit lost for words because it just blows my mind how just how riddled this country is by class. I mean, I, I, I knew that from when the day I arrived when, you know, because supermarkets have that kind of, you know, there's a sort of hierarchy when it comes to supermarkets where you shop. Yeah. And, yeah, and that blew my mind. I mean, I just couldn't. It just, I, I, I just didn't have words for it. But then, but when I hear stories like this, I just think, whoa, it just, it's so... Oh deep it's so deep 
It is. I think. I think in some in some ways, what's tricky is that those class divisions appear to have become less fixed in structures like schooling. So they grammar, appear to have. Yeah, ha, ha, exactly. Appear to have, but but not really. Um, did you? Were you reading in the? Did you read the Guardian this week? Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm actually a Daily Mail reader. I subscribe to the Telegraph. <laughs> I've been reading a lot about Meghan and Harry this week. Please tell me that that's a pretend story. Which bit? The that you've been reading about Meghan and Harry. Yeah, it is a pretend story. Thank God for that, uh, because it just that just makes my that makes that makes me cry. But. In the Guardian, I think on Saturday, uh, there was um, an interview with a young woman called Sophie Pender. She got to Bristol University and thought this would be the moment, coming from a, um, a you know a, a, a really working class, difficult background, where her, her dad had, I think, her dad had died when she was in her early teens as a result of alcohol dependency, um, and so she she was in a single parent household. Um, and she worked really, really hard at school because she was, you know, working to that principle that if you work hard, you can you can make something of yourself. So she she believed in that that principle of meritocracy, and she got to Bristol University, and then mm. discovered that getting there was not even the beginning of the battle. That she was surrounded by people of such intense privilege that it didn't really matter how good her A-levels were, and as far as I understand it, they were excellent. But her attainment was an irrelevance because she was surrounded by people from private schools who took the piss out of her accent. She saw people going to chav parties where they would dress up in um, in kind of the trappings of what they thought the working classes would... would um, Chav, what is it? Council house? Council house and violence. Oh. She was so kind of horrified by the culture that she encountered. She ended up setting up sort of like a reverse Bullingdon club. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, which is, a reverse Bullingdon club. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what it, does that mean? They, they, they don't eat pigs, clearly. <laughs> well, it means that it, it's, it's called the 93% club. And it's based, it's based on the fact that 7% of Bristol intake were from private schooling. But they had a kind of a disproportionate impact on the culture. I think, as as she articulated it, so she wanted there to be a another narrative. And what does it what does it what does a reverse Bullingdon Club mean? I guess it's about trying to provide a a not old boys network. Yeah, right. You know the an alternative. An alternative, yeah. There's been quite a lot. There's there's also something called Arts Emergency, which the comedian Josie Long is a founder member of, which mm-hmm. effectively is another version of trying to unravel. You, wow. you know, you, you can you can volunteer time to effectively mentor and support students from non traditional backgrounds. Um, so that might be kids coming out of the care system. It might be kids who yeah. are first-time entrants into yeah, yeah, university. Yeah. Oh, I just, I mean, I, it just sort of makes me a little bit, I, well, anyway, I don't know. But uh, but so, so can I go back to your school? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. Um, so what happened was my mum and dad, because they, you know, because they left school at 14, 14, 15, I can't remember the exact. They didn't really have that kind of embodied understanding of exams being important because yep. they didn't have any. 
So they just said, oh, we'll just... And they were fine. And they, yeah, of course they were. Yeah, they were fine. They, (laughs) the irony was that my dad was 47 at the time, the age I am now, and he was retiring. It meant that I had this sort of strange schism where I went from my comprehensive school and then I went to a grammar school. Oh. Um, to do my A-levels. So, so be- how did you get into the grammar school, though? Because it was the only place in town that did, um, that did A-levels. So it was, it was right. quite normal for you to just go in. So the, to, if you were going to do A-levels, go it to was the normal. Grammar school. And did you like being at school? Like, what's, your, what's your, you know, do, when I say, what are the things that stick out for you about being at school that you remember most clearly? What sort of things are they? I remember having a really wide network of friends. I wasn't, I didn't have, like, a, a group you know, it wasn't like I was with, like, one group uh, to the exclusion of all others. I sort of floated around mm-hmm. really happily. Um, Intentionally? Or just the I way it worked out? That's a really hard question to answer. I think it was intentional. I don't think it was an accident. As an only oh. child, oh, yeah, I... <laughs> have a very low tolerance for people's company <laughs> i spent <laughs> i spent my childhood alone yeah and so i enjoyed being with people really enjoyed being with people but then there's a, there'd be a point at which i go oh i'm saturated now i don't want to talk to you anymore mm. but i didn't want to like you know burn bridges so i would just go and spend a little time with somebody else and then and so i just sort of floated around and had a high old time i loved it I was um, I was actually uh, the school I was at in third form, which I think is well, I would have been thirteen. This was in a little town called Masterton. I was bullied at and left that school, and um, as a result of that, and went to a school in Wellington, which is the capital city of New Zealand. Yes, I knew you knew that, but just in case some of our listeners don't. <laughs> and um, how far away was that? From- it's about an hour and a half by car. Oh wow. And so I private boarded in Wellington and I went to a school called Wellington College. Intentionally, when I arrived at the school, I did not align myself with particular cliques it was because I, it was like uh, I spent at least the first year just making sure that I could trust the people I was spending any time with. I remember very intentionally going, I am not going to fall into um, any particular group here. I'm going to just do my best to be friends with everyone, which, of course, you know, has its own, has its own drawbacks. But... So bullying really did a number on you? Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, I, if, you, if you were to say what's the thing that's shaped the kind of person you are now in your life, I'd say two things. That, being bullied as a 13-year-old, and death of my father. Tick, tick. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you said that not gravitating towards a singular group brings its own problems. What were they? Well, I just mean the idea of trying to be friends with everyone. Ah, I see. Yeah. I see. Because, you know, that's, um, that's, that's basically avoiding conflict, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Which is not great training for life. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't. Well, th- I, it's interesting to hear you say that because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure that I avoided conflict by being friends with multiple groups. I think I probably just, it feels like such a cliche to say it, but, you know, I, I, I operated like a, a social chameleon. I'd be what that group needed. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, was, your, that was your way of um, yeah. dealing with used to being used to being by yourself. Yeah, uh, the, the <laughs> I think the difficulty was, if I think about it, and I, I don't think I have, but it, it sort of l- means I was sort of on the edges of a lot of things, <laughs> watching. 
<laughs> even though I was actively participating, I think kind of um, sort of conceptually or em- maybe emotionally is a better way of saying it, is that I was on the outside mm. of it. I wasn't in the middle of it. And I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a, a, a good or a bad thing. Yeah, my, my experience of high school uh, after I left that first place was just of just pleasure, really. Was your school mixed or was it single no, sex? it was single sex. It was a very, you know, very traditional. Um, I can't imagine what going to a single sex school would have been like. <laughs> H- how did you? <laughs> it was just boys. It was easy. How was that easy? Well, we didn't know. I didn't know any different. I mean, I, but, I, the school I left was a co-ed school. Uh, yeah. Okay. But you were, you were like, so what, you were 13 when you got there and. Four, eight, 14, eight, yeah. 14, 14 and 18 when you left. Uh, yeah, more or less, I guess. Yep. So I was there what, four, what? five, six, seven, four years. I was there. Were you just like dry humping the walls? What was going on? <laughs> I remember the idea of um, a kind of a burgeoning sexuality being kind of it felt it felt redolent in the air, you know. Really? I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and if you weren't if you weren't engaged in, let's say, activity. Um, you were talking about wanting to be engaged in activity. You were looking at, yeah, I remember, oh, I remember a trampolining class. Oh, my God. <laughs> the idea of you doing a trampolining class, it's not, it's not something that will come to mind. Yeah, yeah. Was it, it compulsory? Was, no, you could, no, we, our games, I think our game sessions had, they tried to put quite a lot of variety in there. Clearly. Yeah, so we had, you know, we, we. Was, so this I is think, your non-Me Too trampolining... Uh... Yeah, I remember that a, a one particular girl didn't bring her gym knickers to <laughs> class. And so she was wearing a pair of... Uh, uh, to be honest, I'm sure they were perfectly uh, decent um, uh, knickers. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were not, like, scandalous by today's um, standards by any stretch. But I remember... <laughs> I've oh, never heard again. you. I've never heard you choose your words so carefully as I'm hearing you choose them now. Because I remember standing next to a, 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 a colleague, and then it was then our turn. It was the you know the, the it, it was I can't remember if it was my turn or if it was Mark's turn to, to trampoline, and he was just like, "Mark's not the person you watch horror movies with, is he?" No, no, it wasn't. Nice try, um, but he was like, oh, "I'm not sure I can get up." I'm not sure I can get up. Oh no! I'm oh, not no. sure I can get up. And we were just like, just, 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 just put your hand. Just, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I remember. I, rem- I now that you're you, asking, you me remember to think inopportune about it, erections, basically. Yeah, but yeah, but d- but pointed at, pointed at other, <laughs> pointed at, um, <laughs> as a result of other people, not kind of just the. Sure. That that was a definite cause and effect kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just a like yeah, yeah. sitting in maths class and balancing your ruler on it to see if you can make your ruler bounce up and down kind of thing. As we all know, Gavin Williamson knows as much about education as I do about Australian rules football. Is there anything else you know about AFL? I will ask you to address that question to my esteemed colleague, Gavin Williamson, and if he can answer anything about education, I'll try and answer something about the football. Do you know what shape ball it is? 
I'm guessing it's rugby shaped, perhaps. Yeah, nice. It's not precisely the same size or anything. It's quite a different ball, but yeah, it's. it's I don't. I, I I don't think I could care less. I mean, I could try to care less, but I would struggle. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No. Why would I? Oh, like you know, even like a little split second. But why would I? I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> of, of someone planet? taking of someone taking a screamer of Gary Ablett taking a screamer. What does that? I don't even know what you have just said. I don't know what a screamer is. Screamer or screener? With screamer. An N or an M. Like, ah! Screamer. <laughs> and, and I don't know what a Gary Abbott is. Is he, is he Gary Ablett was a player. Ablett with an Ablett. L? Yeah, A B L E T T. Okay. Of him These taking are... a mark, a big mark, like a you screamer. Are... Stop talking Italian. Go back to English. <laughs> Simon, I am not understanding the words that you are using right now. Kind oh, of bombers. I find it interesting when people get really cross with me. Not You, you are not included in this narrative, Thank by the way. Thank you. Thank you. But when people get really cross with me that I don't know anything about sport. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah. Why do they get cross, though? I just love yeah, but, it. I love it. So, I love it. Some you... people get really like, how can you not know who Paul Schmeichel is? And I'll go, Paul Schmeichel. Maybe I mean Peter. It's a boy's name. Peter Schmeichel. Anyway, I, yeah, I just, I find that really interesting that people get cross that I don't know about something. I don't expect people to be able to name the winner of season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) Bob the Drag Queen for anybody who's interested. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so great I'm so gr- uh, Who was it? Bob Bob, Bob the Drag Queen excellent, I love that we've got Gary Ablett and Bob the Drag Queen <laughs> More or less the same section Of a conversation about school Maybe it was 